there are so many opportunities for film um, in the inland Northwest, like because it, it's this reality that we spent um, we spent a day on the Saturday I was up there bombing around, uh, going up uh, Julietta Kendrick to Troy, cross through Moscow, um, and started out at Spalding and then did the full loop around. Went down by Palouse Falls, down you know towards Walla Walla, and then back along the river and all that, um, doing geotagging for locations. This environment is rich, and it is much of a living character as anyone who's talking on screen. It's an informative thing from uh, from a production standpoint, from a studio standpoint, because they have no idea the versatility of this area. Um, you, you have you have dry aired plains you have these beautiful rolling wheat fields you know you have these insane waterfalls that give you vertigo just looking at them you know you've got these these forests like you, you look at the the forest and the clear water up by kendrick it, it feels primeval you know it feels like you've just dropped back in time and and it's and it you know you feel the hairs go up on the back of your neck and it's just phenomenal and all of these things are in driving distance Spiral Podcast listeners, we have a very special guest today, Rance Hosley. Rance has done many things in his career. He has been a storyboard artist for rock music videos for very famous rock musicians. He has been a comic book artist, a video game artist. He's worked on feature films, and uh, the subject of our conversation today is a short film that he's filming right here in the LCV called Die. Now, I could sit here and talk about Rance for a while. He was very entertaining. I'm so happy that he was able to do our podcast. And instead of me sitting here telling you all about it, it's best just to jump into our interview with Rance Hosley. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Rance Hosley, I'm glad that you're here. Um, I was looking over the bio you sent, and you have had quite the career. Uh, very impressed. Thank you. It, it, uh, some, some would say a career, some would say an inability to stay focused on a singular thing, but you know. Uh, yeah, one may lead to the other, I guess. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I was looking through. You've been a storyboard artist. Uh, you've been involved with music videos for like Aerosmith and Scorpion, which is really neat. Um, you've been editor of magazines and newspapers, uh, video game uh, designer, um, or the artist for them, and uh, comic books and feature films. And maybe the most important thing, you're a fellow WSU graduate. Well, technically, I'm not a graduate. Oh, okay. I, I did, well, you went I, there. I, 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 I did attend for four years. <laughs> I, I found out um, in, in the process of interviewing for an art director position at, at Disney, uh, I, had, I had been out of WSU for three years, and I had left the day before I was supposed to graduate um, because I had a job. Yeah. down in LA. And then, and, and so I, I packed everything up in the U-Haul and, and drove down to LA and, you know, three years have gone by and, and, uh, I had had multiple jobs since then. So it was kind of like, all right, well, 
And I did my, uh, on my application, I, I had my, you know, references, my education and all that. And Disney was the first company that like did a thorough background check, uh, when I, when I applied and, uh, they called me and, and were very angry with me because they thought that I was trying to deceive them. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you don't have a degree. And I was like, uh, yes, I do. Here's my student ID number. And they're like, well, we just talked to WSU and you don't. So I had to call WSU and found out that I was eight credits short. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, so, yeah. So uh, luckily, uh, I, I had to write a disclaimer letter to the Walt Disney Company saying that I was not trying to deceive or uh, commit an act of fraud uh, in, in telling them that I had a degree when I did not, uh, that it was completely a lack of understanding, blah, 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 blah. I got the job anyway, so. Well, that's um, good. It's all right. That's how I found out I, I don't have a, uh, I, I did attend WSU. It was a phenomenal four years. Uh, but, um, but yes, I'm, I'm eight credits short of my actual fine arts degree. Oh, that's close enough for me. That's all right. The first time I went to WSU, I, I, I was, Asked not to come back. So I came back <laughs> four or five years later. No, it was longer than that. It was 2011 to 2018. So seven years later, they let me back in. So that was good. <laughs> St- statute of limitations had passed by them. They forgot about me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was good. All right. So um, I, I, I know you're kind of from the Valley. Were you born here? No, I was born in Portland. Uh, my mom... Uh, was born in Lewiston. She grew up in Lewiston. Um, and, uh, my dad, uh, grew up in Moscow and when my parents got married, they went to, uh, they went to Portland, um, were in Portland for about 10 years. And, um, shortly after my sister was born, my sister's two years younger than I am. Um, they moved, uh, back to the Valley uh, in order to be closer to my maternal grandparents. And, uh, also, uh, there were some job opportunities at the time, um, that, uh, my dad, uh, was excited about. So, um, we lived in Lewiston for a couple of years and then bought a house in Clarkston when I was about four, five. And, uh, I was in that house, my entire childhood growing up uh, through junior high, high school, and and uh, my mom still lives in the house. So, oh wow, that's great. So, do you? Uh, I know you came back to the valley recently, which we'll probably get into a little bit later. But do you make it back this way very often? Uh, I try to. Now, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't for a while, um, uh, for a variety of reasons, but. Um, you know, you, you, there, there becomes a certain point where you either double down on your own worst tendencies as a, as a person, or you grow the hell up. Um, and, um, I, I would like to think that, uh, that as I got older, I went into the latter category rather than the former. Um, I don't, um, it, it was, um, there were parts of growing up uh, in the Lewis Clark Valley that was very difficult for me. Um, at the time, especially pre-internet, uh, being a kid that was interested in art and writing uh, and, and uh, music over sports um, and over hunting was like, the, that was, 
you know, um, that wasn't uh, something that people really knew how to deal with. You right. know, so, and, 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 um, and, and so there was a lot of friction. Um, and, you know, to be fair, I think a lot of the friction, you know, had more to do with, um, with me not having an example of, um, of how I could have a career in, in any of those things while growing up in the Valley. Um, it helped as I got older learning about writers like, for instance, Raymond Carver, who, um, grew up in the inland Northwest um, and who wrote uh, some of his most famous short stories about the inland Northwest, um, you know, and, and learning, um, learning about people like, you know, David Lynch, who, you know, grew up in Spokane and lived in Western Montana for, you know, much of his childhood. Um, and, and once you start seeing those models, you know, it's the idea that, you know, there, there's a lot of discussion in today's culture about representation and, and representation is, is a much bigger issue. And, and for a kid growing up in a small town who's different in any way, shape or form, um, not seeing models of like how um, how to set your life up, you know, um, how, how you can use this this interest in something different um, to have a happy life, to have a successful life, to have good relationships, you know, um, to be a parent, all of these things. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's one, it's one of those things also with enough time, you start realizing that no one really knows what the hell they're doing. Right. You know, we're, we're all, we're all just kind of fumbling through it. And yeah, and it's, it's a bit, um, it's a bit arrogant and, and there's, there's a lot of hubris to, to hold that against someone you know, there's, there's a difference, there's a difference between, you know, friction that occurs out of a lack of understanding and, and friction that occurs out of malice. And, and I, and, and certainly there were, there were moments of conflict uh, growing up, but nothing, you know, uh, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't think that there was like some real genuine magic in the greater LCB area, I, you know, I would not, uh, I would definitely not be trying to come back at least once a year, I would uh, definitely 100% not be trying to shoot a feature film up there and look at uh, trying to shoot three films over the next five years up there. Because that's a lot of time, and that's a lot of work, uh, and, and that's a lot of, um, it's a lot of serious boots on the ground uh, experience with, with people who live here, you know? And, and part of it for me is, you know, wanting to, um, give people opportunities, give, you know, um, give back to the area where I grew up and, uh, everything from the idea of, you know, Hey, employment, you know, films, uh, hire a lot of, uh, specialized labor. Uh, there's a lot of carpenters that are needed. There are a lot of uh, construction people that are needed. There's a lot of electricians, a lot of plumbers, uh, and there's a lot of lighting people that are needed. Um, and, you know, um, these are even on a on a small budget film, you know, to, to put it in perspective, a small budget film is categorized as $10 million to $15 million. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that is that's a small budget film by yeah. by. It's by not LA Michael Bay movie. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it doesn't change the fact that for 
um, for a lot of people living in middle America, that's, that is life changing money, you know, getting, getting to work on, on a film, you know, um, you know, as an electrician with, you know, with a guaranteed union hour that is three times what any uh, job is going to uh, pay locally. You know, those are, those are, those are things that, you know, are, are huge things to be able to bring back. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, absolutely. And I can relate a lot to what you said as someone who grew up around here. I mean, it was a little later. I went to high school in the um, early 2000s, but uh, having long hair and playing music and there was a little bit of a scene, but there was a few times where, I don't know, run-ins with people just for how I looked to being different. I wasn't even the, uh, I suppose you could say, oddest looking one of my friends group, but even I had <laughs> run-ins with people that weren't pleasant just for having long hair and skateboarding and playing music and stuff like that and not being part of the more traditional uh, activities that go on around here. But, And you're right. I mean, we were talking a little bit about Casey's and how there's feedback, pushback from people. And that was back in the day when it was going. And that was in the 80s when you guys were kind of trying to get it going again. And there's more traditional people. But as I said, it, and you'll agree, I'm sure there's so many good people. And I'm glad that now... I'm hoping more than when you were growing up, there are more role models and maybe not career paths, but definitely people that are encouraging, especially with the college as it is now, the LCSE, and even the community college. There's a lot of great faculty who are extremely supportive and and even in the junior highs and high schools, I think, as well. And and now they have the internet, so you can see all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, the internet... uh, um you know, uh, multi-channel cable was a massive change. Like it was uh, the the advent of MTV in the '80s was was the first indication of like, oh, there's um, there's something that speaks to me that's out there, and it, and it may not be here, but but it exists, and that's something to to chase, um, and, and to be in a position where you know I go from you know, one year I'm, I'm watching, you know, uh, videos for, um, you know, like kiss and white snake. And, and then, you know, within nine months I'm, I'm in LA and I'm working with the director of those videos on, on videos for Aerosmith. You know, it, it's, um, it's one of those things that like, Oh yeah, all of these things, you know, are possible. And, and I think that, um, you know, and this is not honestly. This isn't a thing that is that is specific to the LCV. It's, it's oh no, uh-uh. it's it's part of human nature that there are people that look at things that are different, and they and they or something that's unfamiliar. Let's not even say different. It's just unfamiliar. Sure. And, and they look at it as um, uh, there, there are two types of people that react to that. There, there are people who react to it as with curiosity and seeing it as opportunity. Um, like, oh, this, this might be something different. This might be something worthwhile. This, this is something worth evaluating at least and not just uh, pushing away because it's unfamiliar. And then there are people that um, I, I would say, that, you know, th- because of insecurity, uh, see that as, as, a, uh, as something to fear. 
yeah, because it's unknown and, yeah. and, and they don't have a they don't have a sense of uh, perspective or or what does this mean what can this mean and and because it's unfamiliar it, it's something to be gotten rid of because change is dangerous um well shooting even in the 80s you were dealing with the satanic panic oh yeah no i mean so we had, that was for good you know we had it, it's so ridiculous we had um there were rallies at the the i don't know what church it is now but the church that was over uh, like two blocks away from where the old civic theater uh was and um they, they had this big rally uh to condemn dungeons and dragons saying that it was that it was summoning <laughs> you know that it was summoning oh, the yeah. devil and it was training yeah. people to to be devil worshipers and and it was just mind-boggling because from from a personal standpoint like i uh i grew up as a fundamentalist uh in an evangelical church i i went to church three or four times a week i knew all the books of the bible by the time i was 10 I could quote most of the New Testament by the time I was 12. Uh, I could com- quote significant portions of the Old Testament by the time I was 15. And, um, you know, and, and they're, they're getting in a dither about this. And, and, I'm, and I'm just, and they're, and they're saying, well, this is God's will. And I'm like, well, where? I'm like, show me the scripture where, the, where, the, where this is, um, this is a threat. This seems this seems very antithetical to the teachings of Jesus, um, and you know, and there there is a reason that that uh, my my uh, existence as an evangelical Christian uh, didn't last much past past fifteen, uh, because right. you know the, um, I, I'm very much of the mindset that you know um, someone's beliefs are an individual thing, but they should absolutely be able to answer it from a logical standpoint. And, and being a, a kid who asked questions uh, and backed them up with, with facts while asking the questions and wanting to know answers, that, that, didn't, that didn't parse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's something about that. You know, quit asking questions. This is what it is. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So yeah, so I moved to, I moved to, I moved to L.A. Um, for art school the day after I got out of high school in 1986. Um, I was senior class president of Clarkson High School, so uh, you know some would say that that will uh, just prove that that Clarkson will you know allow anyone to be you know, senior <laughs> class president. They no. got very low standards. Um, uh, I, I was you know, but but here but here was the thing. So I m- the summer after my sophomore year in high school, my family, my mom, my sister, and I drove down to Los Angeles for me to look at art schools. And they have a family vacation and a friend of the family uh, who grew up in the Valley uh, was like, do you want to be a storyboard artist on this film? And I was like, and this pays money. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Um, So uh, I got paid to do storyboards for a film celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Mustang and the 50th anniversary of Motown. Motown is a record label. Uh, it was it was a horrible straight to VHS <laughs> film that that I think it isn't even listed on IMDb. Oh no! Um, but that connection led to me uh, 
being introduced to the director for like uh, the White Snake videos and Aerosmith and and Scorpions and that. Um, but in the interim, while I was in LA, my hair is growing out. I come back with all of this, uh, all of these clothes that I bought in LA. So I come back with all of this uh, zebra stripe, you know, leather and, and leopard skin stuff. And, Gotta love the 80s. And, 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 and my hair is, is super long and it is, uh, you know, I've got, you know, a half can of white label Aquanet in it. So it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not quite up to low G orbit, but it's pretty tall. And, um, and in the interim, uh, bands like Def Leppard broke on MTV. So uh, I, I came back and all of a sudden, like, um, my, my fellow students seemed to think that I was cool because I had just been to LA. I'd worked, you know, with bands and I looked like a rock star and I, you know, came back and, and they foolishly elected me senior class president. So, um, <laughs> just a, it's just a bad idea. It's just such a bad idea. Oh, hey, um, there's, uh, you know, nothing Aquanet can't gain you, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so, so right, after, right after senior year, I, I went back to L.A. Um, I spent a year at art school. Uh, I decided that the amount of money that I was spending versus what I felt I was getting out of it didn't make sense. Uh, so I, I quit, uh, and moved back to the Valley. Um, and I would drive down to LA like every three or four months to work on a music video or to work on a project, uh, work on a, a comic book project. And then, uh, decided that I, I needed something secure and stable. So I was going to get my degree in art at WSU and then teach, uh, while I did all these crazy things. Um, and yeah, and, uh, I, I'm very, very grateful that I did that because while, um, I'd learned by my sophomore year, the last thing in the world that I'm built for is to be a teacher. Sure. Um, I did, uh, become a designer and then the art director and then the entertainment editor at the daily evergreen at WSU, um, which completely changed my life. Like my entire career, uh, path in terms of the skills that I have with computers, the skills that I have in terms of um, staff management, production management, um, all of those things, those de directly stem from the lessons learned uh, at the Daily Evergreen. Um, so I, it, to me, it was that was a priceless experience, degree oh, or no. Definitely. Yeah, right. Like I said, that's close enough. Um, so, you know, back to giving back to the community. I think that's that's kind of what this show's all about. We talk to all sorts of people and uh and a lot of them give back to the community cuz one thing that Drew and I talk about often is you know, the same idea you had in the 80s. How cool would it be to have more like music type venues for kids, just more stuff for the youth to do to keep them busy, keep them, you know, cuz there's a lot of times when I wasn't busy or interested in what was going on around town, and that tended to be when I would get into trouble. And, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people kind of with that mindset, you know, a little bit more development's been going on, and um, there's, well, like when COVID hit, we had a group, they were called Elevate LCV, and it was just a couple of guys who got together, and they would get um, some businesses that weren't hurting uh, financial businesses, um, 
banks, that kind of stuff, to donate. And they'd say, hey, we're sponsoring this restaurant. You know, you get the first 30 people there get $20 off or something like that. And, and so that's really neat. And so when you talk about making feature films here, which, which is why we're here, and we haven't even mentioned it yet, um, but the jobs that that'll provide and, and bringing a new light uh, and being one of those uh, role models that we were talking about, here's what you can do, and, and actually just having that in your town, that's huge and really cool. So what are you doing here? So, take a step back. Sure. Getting up to up to present day, um, about nine years ago, um, I transitioned from uh, from being a creative director and art director in video games uh, for seventeen years to being uh, to returning to film and, and television and. Primarily, uh, the work that I started was as a as a screenwriter, writing um, adaptations of science fiction books or uh, comic books, genre material uh, to uh, feature film, and that was great and that pays really well. Um, but when you uh, write a um, uh, when you write a big cataclysmic end of the world kind of uh, screenplay with a lot of effects and a lot of um, explosions and, and big dramatic um, moments, um, the budget goes up. Um, sure. And for these kinds of things, we're talking about that these budgets, you know, to get these greenlit had, you know, 180 to $220 million budgets. And, the uh, the problem with that is that there are very few directors and actors that can justify a studio uh, pressing the go button with that. So unless Ridley Scott's available uh, to direct, unless Tom Cruise is available to act, unless Brad Pitt is available to act, you know, et cetera, um, the odds of those getting greenlit are really, really slim. Uh, studios... Um, see it as worthwhile to go ahead and pay for these to get written because then, you know, if, if Brad's schedule opens up, they've got something they they're ready to go and they know that they'll make, you know, a metric ton of money out of it. Um, but it, as a, you know, as, as someone who is doing this to entertain people, not to make money first and foremost, um, it got really frustrating. And I also felt like um, it was the, the kind of material I was working on was, was, you know, I, I don't, well, let's be perfectly clear. I don't think that art should ever be censored, but um, I, I, from a personal standpoint, I feel an obligation to have my eyes open in what I am contributing to uh, in terms of the dialogue of society. And I think that, um, Action and genre films, for the most part, uh, tend towards a reductive, simplistic kind of problem solving. Sure, like they're uh, fun, prim- prim- but there's not primarily primarily through violence. And and right. here's the thing: when you when you look at, for instance, the classic action films of the '80s or even the '90s and the '70s, like that was not the case. Like you you look at like. Today is the 40th anniversary of Raiders. Raiders is a is a rollicking, you know, good time. It is not a simplistic uh, show. 
No, it is. It is not. Um, it is not uh, get the thing and things blow up. It is. It is complex problem solving. It is dealing with setbacks through intellect, um, and it is worldly and it is well written and all of these things and and I just felt like um, uh, this isn't working for me. So uh, around 2016, I started looking at like, okay, um, if I am if I am writing for independent film um, and uh, specifically for films like, you know, that you would see on the Criterion channel or that you would, you know, see as Oscar bait kind of films, um, you know, those are 10 to $15 million, like we were talking about. And there are ways um, outside of the studio system that you can get financiers for those kinds of things. There are um, lots of people with money who really love movies and want to be involved in it. And, um, you know, for, for them contributing a, you know, a million dollars to a film in exchange for an executive producer credit uh, is, is a very fair exchange, especially when, if you're aiming for the brass ring and you're aiming for an Oscar film, um, you know, as an executive producer, they get, they're the ones who get the Oscar if it wins best picture, you know, and, and that's, yes, that's a gamble, but that's, you know, the kind of mindset behind it. So, um, so I wrote a feature that, uh, was set in the early eighties, goes from 1981 to 1984. Um, it deals almost, uh, entirely with events that I experienced as a child growing up. Uh, both good and bad. Um, and um, the reaction from uh, independent studios uh, that are that are the the kind of people that either uh, fund these things or acquire these things and distribute these kinds of films um, that that then lead to Oscar stuff um, was overwhelmingly positive. Um, they loved it. Um, they said, yes, and you absolutely need to direct this. Um, and the two things that I bumped up against were, but you've never directed live action before because all the direction stuff that I've done up to this point has been CG and animation. Um, and then the second one was, and why do you need to film it in rural bumfuck Washington, Idaho? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's no infrastructure there. That's going to be expensive. You're going to have to fly cast in. You're going to have to fly, fly equipment in. You're going to have to fly crew in. Um, and, and what's the benefit? Why, why not just shoot it in Vancouver? You know, you can shoot it in the woods outside in Vancouver. And it's like, no, it's because uh, for this, the entire, uh, the entire feature is built around the town, right? Like we have to have the old civic theater uh, building as as one of the locations sure uh we we have to have the the, the spiral highway yeah. you know going down into the valley as one of the prime locations well, we have to have uh silcott island as one of the prime locations like they, because the 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 script is written in such a way that the environment of the valley is as much a character as any of the actors on screen so with, with running up against that it was like okay well 
And this is, this is around November, 2019, December, 2019. And the, the conclusion was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to shoot a short film that is thematically dealing with the same subject matter, um, that has the same production, um, challenges. So for instance, I'm, I'm filming with kids. I'm filming with, uh, I'm filming in the LCB. I'm, uh, filming period. Uh, this will be the, uh, and I will write a short that will stand alone, but will prove all of this uh, can be done. And so I wrote the script at the end of the year, beginning of the year, I did a Kickstarter to uh, fund it. That's right. I think old um, spiral podcast threw in about 20 bucks or so. Yep. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I appreciate that. We do what uh, we can. <laughs> so, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, Film ended up getting fully funded uh, to the point where uh, it was 162% of what we were trying to raise. Oh, that's great. Um, so um, that's phenomenal. Uh, we got an amazing cast. Uh, we have an award-winning cinematographer. We have an award-winning editor, uh, an award-winning color corrector, and an award-winning composer all on board. And we were in... Uh, Pre-production plans in March of 20 uh, with the plan that we would shoot the last weekend of March, uh, first weekend of April. Right. And and March 7th, the case numbers in Washington for COVID started going crazy. And, and at the time, there was no information. We had no idea what was going on. Um, but we were like, you know, as, as a director... Um, who has seen people get hurt on sets and who has seen directors not take safety seriously. Um, uh, my co-producer and I were like, we, we've got to, we've got to wait on this. And, and we thought, well, we'll, we'll wait until the summer. We'll delay it until the summer and, and things, and, and things will be back to normal by then because how, how bad could this be? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was our mindset too. Yep. So, um, so we are shooting uh, now, the current plan is that we are shooting either in July or August. We had, um, uh, when I had come up three weeks ago uh, to scout locations and to secure um, where we were going to be shooting to do um, equipment uh, evaluations and things like that, crew evaluations. Um, the plan was that we were going to shoot August 13th. Um, and our DP has an opportunity, uh, to actually shoot earlier, um, because we were, uh, we were shooting that late, uh, in the year and in the summer, uh, because of her schedule and her schedule freed up. So right now, uh, my weekend assignment is to find out if, um, if the third weekend of July or the fourth weekend of July works instead. So, um, yeah, so, uh, we're in, we're in full bore pre-production to, uh, get this done with the idea that uh, we are fully edited, color corrected, sound uh, mastered, and and score laid in in time to qualify for uh, festivals like Tribeca and and Toronto International and and the big um, brass ring things. Because whether whether or not um, whether or not you win any of those things, um, it's important if we're trying to 
assure producers and money people that yes this this is a viable path to do yeah. this feature well not only that, that yeah not only that but just to show like they've never seen the area and right. you're gonna get incredible shots i mean like yeah. you said coming down the spiral highway it's it, that's view is it's incredible yeah, it it's really insane. is you know and it's something that i never really appreciated when i was younger but now I love it. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Um, in places, there's places where it's not, but yep. it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and and actually, I had a question. So you said the Civic Theater, the old Civic Theater. Yep. How did you square away getting that in there? Because well, it's so obviously it's not. It's I don't know if it's condemned is the right word, but. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our new Patreon account. That's right, OSP fans, you can now directly help us fund this show and get access to exclusive content. For more information and to learn how you can support the show, head to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. Now, back to the show. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's halfway between condemned and, you know, right. and, and, and approved. So the... Uh, the script is written before the ceiling truss went. Right. And and then the ceiling truss went, which was one of the reasons why um, I was pushing so fast, so hard to get proof that we could do this uh, so that we could get a shot. Because part of the, again, this is the, this is the thing of giving back. Like my, my uh, theater experience uh, is because of Fred Scheibe and the Lewiston Civic Theater. Mm-hmm. Like, and and for anyone who thinks that, like, oh, the Civic Theater is just, you know, it's just this local thing. Oh. Um, I, I'm I'm telling you right now that going to Los Angeles from Lewiston and Clarkston and working on film productions, my my um, set discipline. My understanding of the importance of of uh, production and and uh, making sure that things are you know measured six times and cut once um, that all came from civic theater and and it made my experience there made me stand out compared to everyone else in my age range uh, because they hadn't had that kind of experience they hadn't had that kind of discipline they hadn't had those kinds of lessons so. Um, and, and I have, um, I, I have a very sentimental, uh, connection with that building, that building. And, and this is not hyperbole, that building saved my life. Uh, when my parents got divorced, like the people at the civic and, and my experiences in that building were the thing that, you know, kept me sane and kept me, uh, feeling like, you know, I wasn't completely alone and that the world still made sense. So, um, the, again, we go back to what is not a lot of money for Hollywood is a lot of money for, for a small rural rural area. And, um, for a film production, you have, uh, location fees, uh, location fees are, are typically just, um, you know, a rental fee for, for a location, but it can also be like retrofitting location. Um, it can be, that we need to, you know, make sure that this is safe for people to, you know, shoot in. Um, and so as part of the budget for the feature, it includes 
retrofitting the interior infrastructure uh, of the old Bollinger Civic Theater building. Oh, that's wonderful. So that, so that that can be used. Um, and that unlike an external uh, carpet bagging kind of investor who comes in and wants to take advantage of it, um, you know, if this goes, then we've made it so that it can be utilized by the community when we're done and we don't have ownership of it. We don't have any stake in it other than, than please use it and go with God. Um, the other, another example of this is the Jess apartments, which are over by, you know, St. Joseph's and they're, are being used for storage. Now that's one of the key locations in, in the script. Um, and they're not being used now because they're condemned and, and they're, um, uh, I believe asbestos is part of the issue of it. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's part of the, the, the location fee, you know, that, that has to be done. Uh, you know, and if all of a sudden you've got those buildings uh, are available and they are habitable, you know, you can use those from everything from uh, uh, mobile nurses that, you know, are, that come in for, um, to help out in times of crisis, i.e. COVID yeah. examples. Right. Yeah. Um, um, or, you know, um, they can be, you know, everything from, you know, uh, family, you know, locations for, because I believe that they're, it's owned by St. Joseph. Um, or it could be, you know, used for, for rehab outpatient. Or, I mean, again, it's like the idea, is, you know, one of the things, again, that, because I have a lot of friends still in the Valley, that one of the discussions is affordable housing, you know, and, and, and the, and the problem that there's an increase of homeless people. And it's like, okay, well, you know, no one wants to be homeless. Right. Um, you know, no, no matter what some grouchy people might say, no one, no one thinks that this is the viable answer that like, Oh, great. I'll, I'll just panhandle. Um, it is, yeah. it is, it is a emotionally scarring experience it is it it completely strips away your sense of humanity and and you know if you instead have uh, there there are some uh regional church programs through different churches that are doing uh great things with helping getting people on their on their feet but if you know we also can expand that out to you know have help single parents you know, get on their feet and, and have a transitional location. Um, I, I just see that as, as doing nothing but bringing benefit to the Valley. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, and if, or if, I don't know if you are this time, maybe next, if you do end up making more movies, but if you do anything in Clarkston, we'll be in contact because I'm the building inspector for the city of Clarkston. Uh, okay. So if you need any permits for remodeling, they'll be coming to me, which, and I'll be coming and inspecting everything and making sure it, is good. Yeah. So that's that's really exciting. I mean, one of the things that I'm excited about uh, just in my position is, and just a little PSA for everybody, uh, we're working with Habitat for Humanity in something called the Clarkston Affordable Housing Repair Project, which if you qualify in your income and a, and a couple other qualifications, we're coming in and doing $25,000, up to 25000 or 35000 if there's lead or asbestos in home repairs. Yep. around uh, the city of Clarkston and yep. stuff like that and what you're talking about. Anybody interested in that or know someone who is can get a hold of Habitat for Humanity in Clarkston. But uh, it's that's exactly what I was talking about. 
it's incredible that you're, I was always, Drew and I were always sitting here wondering what's going on with the Civic Theater, and to hear that you're actually coming in and helping out and doing those apartments, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, on top well, of how neat it is to be filming a movie here, that's what a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the Valley that are, you know, I want to help out, I want to help out. Like you were saying, LA, it's not as much money. But it's mm-hmm. big money here, and as much as maybe we want to do something for the Civic Theater, we're not all able to do that. So you right. coming in and doing that, it's just amazing. It really is. And it, but it's also the thing of like, so like when I was up there a few weeks ago, um, one of the key things that, that I spent, even though I was up there to uh, see my mom, see my eldest daughter who lives with my mom and is going to school at Walla Walla Community College. Oh, very um, good. Um, and to scout specific locations for the short film, because we've got that coming up. Um, part of the time was also spent meeting with members of the Lewiston City Council and explaining, like, here's what the plan is for what we, why we want to use a civic theater. Here's the time frame for it. Here's what we would be bringing in. Here's what we would ask in exchange. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I, you know, that I stressed, you know, over and over is that, um, you know, I grew up in the Valley, so I'm, I'm well aware of um, the, the Northern Idaho, Eastern Washington mindset when it comes to these carpet bagging Californians coming in right. and buying everything up. So, so instead, you know, we do this and, and the, the carpet bag and Californians will, will just come in in order to make a movie and you can just take our money and get work in the process and then we leave. Right. So there you go. You, 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 get, <laughs> you, get, you get all of the advantages and, and none of the grief from, uh, from, you know, buying up all the real estate and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that's really cool. But, so I, th- I, th- I think that, you know, on, on a longer term thing, I think that there's so many, that there are so many opportunities for film um, in the Inland Northwest, like, because it, it's this reality that we spent, um, we spent a day on the Saturday I was up there bombing around, uh, going up uh, Julietta Kendrick to Troy, cross through Moscow, um, and it started out at Spalding and then did the full loop around, went down by Palouse Falls, down, you know, towards Walla Walla and then back along the river and all that, um, doing geotagging for locations. So because one of the things that the cinematographer and I are doing on two of the days up there is that we're shooting location um, without people there. Because, um, again, serving the same purpose as the feature, the short sh- has to show that this environment is rich and it is much of a living character as anyone who's talking on screen. So, and it's also the, from like you were saying, it's an informative thing from, uh, from a production standpoint, from a studio standpoint, because they have no idea the versatility of this area. Um, you, you have, you have dry aired plains, you have these beautiful rolling wheat fields you know, you have these insane waterfalls that give you vertigo just looking at them. You know, you've got these these forests. Like, you, you look at the, the forests and the clear water up by Kendrick, it, it feels primeval. You know, it feels like you've just dropped back in time. And, and it's, and it you know, you feel the hairs go up on the back of your neck, and it's just phenomenal. 
And all of these things are in driving distance. Yeah. Like, and, and we're not talking long driving distance. It's like, oh, that's a two hour drive max. That's <laughs> insane. Like to, to get that kind of location, you know, anywhere in Southern California or outside of New York, you know, you're dealing with huge logistics and, and shipping and like, well, we're, we're going to be going to Kentucky or something like that in order to get that kind of thing. It's like, well, no, we have, we have everything yeah, here. It's all right. So, here. Well, this is Drew. Drew just got here. Drew Rants. Hey, nice to meet you virtually. Um, I apologize for being late. I was actually indulging in uh, some of that medieval forestry that you mentioned. Uh, I was uh, doing a little bit of fly fishing and got stuck behind some traffic on the Joe. And uh, we were sitting there trying to figure out what what was the cause of the slow traffic. And we finally realized it's free fishing day in Idaho. But (laughs) just another fishing day for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Idaho is definitely rich in many cool features, um, especially this area. Yeah. So, I mean, from, from my standpoint, the idea is that, yes, you know, it's, it's problem solving one thing at a time. So it's, it's getting the short done with, with the eye towards, you know, then getting financing, uh, and, and the final green line secured so that we can do the feature. But the idea is that the next, you know, next five years I'm doing, features you know in the area and and part of that is because again like i think that there's i think there's some amazing stories to be told um about the area about the history of the area uh about the people who who live there um and from a completely selfish standpoint you know it's like it gives me a a really uh, solid and valid excuse to be able to spend time with my mom um as she gets older you know so well, um, not to draw attention away from what you're doing, but have you are you familiar with a movie called The River Thief? I I am not. No, I'm I'm not going to say go watch it because <laughs> it's all right. Well, that's I'm being nice. So, but it was it was filmed here in the area. Um, so check it out. Give it ten minutes of your time scroll through a little okay. bit but uh but yeah it was filmed here and and the views were really incredible and it had a lot of potential and i think they used a lot of i don't know it's fine um but i'm really excited to see what you're doing and and how it turns out and what's kind of cool is you know you're talking about coming in fixing up the civic theater so not only can you use it but it'll be available for future people or for future use um but if you come in and set a good example, right, in, yep. in, in how you come in and you handle shooting a film in the community and improving it while you're here, that will only open up doors for, you know, the city council. And, and again, we were talking about people who maybe are somewhat closed off to change and things that are different. And if everything goes well, and it sounds like it will, your heart's in the right place and, and all that, it, it can only open it up for more. Um, hopefully more people will want to come in and use this location. I mean, yeah, I think there of, are, there are actually, um, there, there's an entire little cluster of, of LCV expats that live in LA and that, and that work in TV and film. And, and, you know, we've, we've had discussions about like, okay, so you're the Guinea pig, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to go up and, and see if this crazy idea is actually viable. Absolutely. Like, you know, well, there, I think there, of, 
Astoria, right? Where uh, yeah. Goonies and there was a few yeah. other films there. But yep. and now at that Goonie house, it's a tourist location. Yep. And so just the idea of that happening is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, I, I'm one of the moderators on the uh, "You Might Be from Lewis and Clarkston" Facebook page, and and you know, without fail, the the two uh, when when newer members come in, uh, without fail, the things that they will post is about the fact that Walt Disney uh, got married in Lewiston, right? Um, and that uh, you know, Breakheart Pass. Uh, Charles Brownson and, and Jill Ireland were, were in the Valley and, and that their daughter went to Pixie land. And, um, and, and yes. Uh, so while I was going to Pixie land, Charles Brownson's daughter was also going to Pixie land. So <laughs> I, I technically went to preschool with Charles Brownson's daughter. Well, I don't darn. remember a damn, I, yeah. I don't remember a damn thing of that. That's but, all right. Um, well, you still got it. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, everybody, a part of wild, wild west, was filmed out in the locomotive tracks. I don't remember where they're at, but it's those high locomotive tracks with the big wood peaks or wood wood trusses. I, I, it's possible. I don't. I, I have don't to know. relook into that, but I've yeah. heard that. So mm-hmm. yeah. it is a thing. And it, there's an exhibit dedicated to it. Ah, like it's a thing. Little, uh, I was right. Museum down there on. Yeah. Well, Maine. and we have Stephen Branting on the podcast every now and again. Yeah. In fact, it's almost time Stephen to have so him great. back again. But we want to squeeze as much of that guy's knowledge about the valley out of, out as we can. And this is, I think, a great place to do it. I mean, it's free. It's always available. And, and his episodes are always incredibly entertaining. And I always learn way more than I ever think I'm going to. If I, I, I will say if I get the, if the feature goes and, and it gets made, um, he's definitely getting a thank you in, in the credits because um, his books were vital um, uh, cross-reference materials. And, and he's been incredibly generous with his with his time and, and uh, sharing his knowledge. And um, I just think the world of him. I, I, I think that the LCV is incredibly lucky to have oh. uh, someone of his caliber as a historian in the area. It's Absolutely. Really- and just the stuff that he's gone to help shape the minds of young people and inspire a curiosity and, and something, you know, that is cool about the Valley that isn't just, Oh, this place sucks. And I can't wait to get the hell out of here when I grow up or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's just a great teacher as well. Phenomenal teacher. Yeah, Because I, because I think, I, I think that that's part of the thing too, is that like, you know, you, you grow up. Um, and I think that this is true of, of uh, wherever you grow up, uh, wh- whether you grow up in the city or whether you grow up in the country, that um, it is the nature of kids to be ahistoric, uh, to, to think that all of this is boring shit and I don't want to see any of it. I don't want to hear any of it. It's like, come on, this, this has no bearing on me. This is old news. Um, and, and the job of a good historian is to bring that to actual life and, and to and to make it vital to where a person can relate to it. And, and I think that Stephen does a phenomenal job at that, of, of really bringing that history to a sense of kind of kinetic, you know, living energy, rather than it being like this, this dusty series of facts. Like, you know, the fact that, you know, Lewiston used to be, you know, such a such a rowdy town that during World War II, you know, the Army Corps wouldn't let... That's right. Know, 
officers visit or yeah. wouldn't let it wouldn't let any troops visit you know the the valley because the red light district was so notorious <laughs> right and well you know, unless you had family you, here you couldn't go on r&r in the yeah. valley and, and 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 here's the thing so I've, I've talked to my mom about this and it's like you know so she was in high school in the 50s and like none of that was none of that was discussed none of that was was real to them like this is this is the nope 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 this is this is boarded off. This is yeah. you know. Um, what was there like and, sixteen or eighteen working brothels at one point yes, in time? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, you know, and 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 I, you know, it's the fact that you know most of most of downtown, what we think of is is downtown Lewiston. You know, we're 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 working gentlemen's establishments, right? Of either of either gambling or or you know prostitution. So, um, and. I, you know, I don't think that uh, I don't think that, that takes away anything from the valley to recognize that. I think I think that it actually makes uh, makes it much more interesting in terms of looking at the patterns. Because part of the thing is, if if you want, there's a lot of discussion uh, with, with people I know about like how do we make downtown more vital again. Um, now I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we need to have brothels in, in downtown. <laughs> well, we can, we can keep it on the table. hundred percent clear. I'm not saying that that is a, a viable. Right. Rance Hosley for however, brothels. <laughs> I, I am, however, saying that if you want to, if you want to, uh, correct things that are identified as issues, you look at what has succeeded in the past and, you know, you look specifically at when the brothels were shut down, when, um, downtown was gentrified and made into um, a family-friendly area. Like if if you look at the photos from any area or any period of of Lewis and downtown from about like '51 through about '67, like it's hopping. Like there there are people in the streets. The the stores are there, and and there and, and there are you know there's a lot of complex. Uh, economics that are involved in this, like the, the mill was a much bigger prospect in terms of work. Um, so you look at like, okay, how do, how do we, how do we fix that? You've got these beautiful buildings, you know, you need to have people who are making money so that they can buy things so they can then have stories, stores that are you know sustainable. And part of that is like, okay, how do you bring in business? How do you bring in business to the valley? And, and the valley has traditionally, again, we we're going back to what we were talking about, about seeing fear versus opportunity, has been very cautious, and that's the nicest thing I can say, about industry coming in because they don't want it to change the the uh, the feel, the the personality, the the population, however you want to look at it, of the valley. Um, and I can understand that. But at the same time, the reality is if you stay stagnant, you are putting yourself in a situation where, for instance, all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, Sears isn't manufacturing craftsman homes anymore. And so we don't have a need for board uh, lumber. And hence PFI's, you know, board lumber division gets gets sacked. Um, so one of the advantages in, in, in going towards rather than just fretting about something, looking at, it, looking at it as a, how do we solve problems? How do we, how do we build things going forward? Is, you know, film allows us the opportunity to bring um, seasonal labor, 
quote unquote, whether whether that season happens to be we're shooting in the summer, or whether we're shooting in the winter, it's it's for a you know three four month period. Um, it brings in a sizable hunk of cash, um, and uh, without fundamentally disrupting the infrastructure or uh, the industry, um, it also puts the valley and the surrounding areas up on the big screen, so people can see this and go wow that's beautiful where is that i want to go vacation there mm-hmm. um so it acts as you know a a secondary advertisement for uh for the valley and that and and i mean i have a lot of friends that and a lot of family that still live in the valley and you know i would like it to continue to thrive and be healthy and all that so from my standpoint that's kind of how i look at this that that um you know i would love to see in, in a perfect world, I would love to see um, downtown be thriving again like it was in the 50s and 60s. Oh, I would absolutely. Love, I would love to see the Liberty and the Roxy fully decked out in their 1920s glory mm-hmm. and to be able to have a film festival for two weeks uh, in the year uh, in which, you know, th- this is a this is enough of a thing that it could, you know, um, have have people with with money and and film come in and you know, uh, see a series of films, spend a lot of money, um, decide oh we should shoot the next thing here and then leave. Um, so, right? No, and it is exciting. There is a handful of people that are working on that sort of thing, and and there's, I think the the Lewiston Library, the new one, it's up and been renovated and absolutely beautiful and they just opened up even the rooftop um we talked to all sorts of you know community gardeners and the farmer's market people we've we've spoken with and so there's things going on and to have you come in and do this and hopefully if it plays out like we're hoping um it it'll just give that a little bump or big bump actually so well and and it and it's you know like the 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 library is a perfect example it's it's these cumulative efforts you know you, you can't there's there's no simplistic solution for revitalizing a community and, right. and to and to keeping a community healthy and and not just not just financially healthy but but like emotionally and and you know uh healthy in terms of morale mm-hmm. like yeah be, because you know people get bristly and people get adversarial um when they feel like there's there's not hope or when there's, when there's fear uh, of like, okay, when, when there's a fear of like, okay, how stable is my job? Like how, like, I mean, watching the impact in the, in the eighties during the Reagan years of, of, of economics on, on the Valley and, and watching like how it seriously impacted uh, people's mindsets, you know, going from a, you know, being very, very uh, strong and proud and happy and 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 feeling like they're in control, to to feeling like you know the ground is being pulled out from under them, um, you know no one wants to be like that, no. and the, and that and that has a ripple effect for the entire community. So I think that it's really vital that you know you have a lot of. Um, you know, it's again, it's the 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 moral responsibility thing. Yeah. Like you know, if if you if you belong to a community, I, I you know, 
whether you live there or not, or whether your 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 heart still resides there, as corny as that may sound. I, I think that there is a moral responsibility to give back to that and to try and figure out, like, okay, what can you do to push it forward? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really excited being a part of the Public Works Department for Clarkston because we have, there's a lot of plans for infrastructure improvements right now. And yeah. that's another form of work that's going on. And our stormwater was being studied right now, our collection system and our stormwater. And there's so many things that we're doing. The Public Works Director is getting in a phenomenal amount of money through federal grants and funding through that. And it's just, it makes me happy to see because if you're not a part of that, if you don't know what's going on necessarily, you're not keeping tabs, it would be easy to fall into that, you know, that one feeling where the ground's coming out from under you. But the amount of work that's being done with beautiful downtown Lewiston and the infrastructure improvements and the library and the high school and it's it's nice to see because it feels yeah. like it feels like we're moving in the right direction. Well, and I think the the community will always, especially now after a post or coming into a post COVID world. I guess we're not a post COVID world, but we're close. It feels like it here because it feels like it basically never happened because people treat it as such. But in any case, um, people are free to move around. People can work remotely and. More and more all the time, I meet new people that have just moved here that just decided like we wanted to live somewhere that was inexpensive, but good for raising a family and, uh, you know, they're, they're free to work wherever they want. So I hope that more and more people from all over the place are able to come and enjoy and contribute to what is already here um, and just be a part of it and hopefully expand kind of the town's mindset on culture and and some of the things that we want to see represented like maybe better restaurants and stuff to do a little bit but yeah. uh yeah i think that'll definitely have an impact as time goes on too the fact that people can just pick up and go and work from wherever they please now um but we'll see i think that's what's kept lewiston small throughout time is that there's just not many opportunities for jobs like you said there's there's like the mill we have schweitzer now and then there's the bullet factory and and to a lesser extent like regents yeah those are the big employers otherwise there's just not that much opportunity so there's not really that much reason to move here but man that'd be cool if lewiston was on the on the in the film industry that would be insane well, and, and here's the thing is that, you know, Lewiston has a fantastic airport that is incredibly underutilized. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, there are a lot of very uh, large warehouse style buildings downtown, uh, you know, backed by where the, where the Twin City Foods, you know, pea factory used to be um, that could be utilized for things like stages. Um, and, you know, there's there's certainly not a a lack of um, infrastructure in terms of the things that allow something to happen. The fact that um, you have a river that connects to the Pacific Ocean that that you can ship, mm-hmm. like if if you have to to uh, move a huge dolly jib crane uh, in, like you're not in a situation where it's like, well, we're going to have to fly that in with a military transport and that's just insanely expensive. It's like, no, you just send it up on a barge on the, 
on, you know, on the river. Yeah. The um, tour boats have been coming through again. That's cool to see. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, part of the thing is like, it's, um, it is just an incredibly gorgeous, uh, place. Um, you know, you forget that in August and September, um, because it's just so damn dry and hot, but you know, the, the reality is like, there's so much beauty in, in the Valley and in the surrounding area that, um, making that accessible and making people aware of that. Um, I, I think that that's nothing but, uh, you know, positive, uh, as far as, uh, the opportunities go. Um, you know, there, there are, there's, um, a group uh, that I that I met with uh, that does a lot of you know uh, commercials and institutional shooting uh, in in the valley because it's like again it's like you're shooting Hell's Canyon you know you're shooting like I mean th- this is this is this is B roll that that you know companies pay you know very large amounts of because it's like you can't get anything that looks like this right so so you know just all of the in my opinion, all the pieces are there. It's just, you know, trying to close some of the loops and, and then keep the momentum going. And I think that honestly, uh, I, I think that there is the potential for it to be really, really good for the Valley, both in terms of uh, not just the money, but, you know, money is obviously a, a fantastic thing when you're talking about like one job can be the difference of like, oh, I could actually pay for most of my house for my family. Um, like I said, it's like it's life changing kind of money. Um, but, you know, it, it's also the thing of yeah, I think that in this very kind of divisive culture that we're in right now, where where this kind of there's a simplistic reductive like us versus them kind of thing uh, that, that that happens way too much on both sides. I, I think that there's incredible value to have um, you working next to people um, from different backgrounds, Yeah, you know, um, because I, I think you, you garner understanding and empathy that way, you know, it, it stops becoming a, a quote unquote foreign agent and becomes an, a fellow human being that you can relate to and you go out and have beers with and, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I think that that's you know, that's a, that's a, a force for positive change. Well, and just inviting new perspectives too. I mean, that's we get trapped in this sort of vacuum a lot of the time. Um, in any small town, that they're going to have their similar beliefs and identities and so on and so forth. But yeah, like if you could just in a day invite people from anywhere in the world to come and spend time with you, whether it's working or just relaxing afterwards, like you said, you're just going to spread so much different diversity in terms of just people in general, their backgrounds, their identities, everything. Um, Yeah, that would be great. And I, you know, I sit here and think about like what you guys are talking about in terms of if the film industry took off and how cool it would be if there was ever like a internship that you could do at LCSC or if they made a new little division of, of the college that was solely dedicated to film. Um, I, well, the, I would... the, you have, you have an entire, um, you have an entire group in WSU that, that works on like the, the, they're trained to do set construction and they have no place to utilize that. You have an entire 
a group that is that is trained in lighting and technical production for for film and television at U of I. And they have no place to utilize that. Like to go have internships, they've got to go, you know, to California or to the Midwest or, you know, maybe if they're lucky, they can go to Seattle or Portland. Um, but, you know, they're from from a completely mercenary standpoint, it's like, oh, yeah, like we can utilize we can utilize people and actually give them working experience um, on this as part of their as part of their degree programs. I mean, come on, that's. That, that, that's a that's a huge benefit because um, you get out of you get out of school with a degree, you know it is largely useless. What what matters is like the degree is necessary, but the, what matters is like okay, but have you actually been boots on the ground with something? Do you have the practical execution of these skills? Um, so being able to give that and make them uh, eminently employable, like that's that's a phenomenal thing. Um, and and I'll and I'll say this, um, you know, I I have a I have a little mission here, and and my 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 vested interest in all of this is so that the world understands that Fazari's is the best goddamn pizza in the world. <laughs> it absolutely um, is, and if they would ever respond to our messages to get them on the show, <laughs> yeah, um, we, we'd love to talk to them about their story. Absolutely, because we is. agree for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, so Brian Fuller and I went to uh, high school together. He was a year behind me. So the deal is that whenever Brian or I go up, one of us like has to get a unbaked frozen Fazari's in, in our checked luggage, bring it back for the other one because it's you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you just can't hold out. No, you can't. It's you like can't. it's it's it is the first thing that I do after after getting into town. Um, that night is like, oh yeah, it's. Where I'm having a Bavarian special, and and you know, and that's it. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about your background uh, leading up to all this, and I I wanted to ask. So you moved to LA. You're you're doing storyboards for you know big bands. You work uh, at Disney. Um, you get into the art for video games and all that. Who was who are a couple or one of your favorite like oh my gosh I'm meeting this person right now that you were pretty excited about? Um, I know. Honestly, honestly, no, honestly, there haven't been any. Oh, okay, I mean, working kind I mean, of behind the scenes. Well, because the thing is, it's like you pass the the initial surreal experience of working on a on a film. Like okay, so so the the thing I said, um, we're we're going to shoot the school scenes for the short film uh, in Moscow, because Clarkston rev- revamped their their schools, and so all these beautiful floor to ceiling windows that are mid century that gave these beautiful views of the Lewiston Hill through it when you're sitting in a classroom. Yeah, those those don't exist anymore. Yeah. So, so all of the shots that are necessary in order to shoot with COVID safety, because we're shooting with kids that are under 12 and they can't be vaccinated, um, uh, like all the protocols for that completely like, okay, well, we can't do this without these windows. So we're shooting in Moscow. And, and one of the things that um, uh, the superintendent said was like, well, it'll be interesting to see who fights over getting to be on, on set because someone from the school, i.e. one of the teachers or the or the maintenance people has to be on set, you know, while we're, while we're shooting from an insurance standpoint. 
because yeah, they're, they're all very excited about this. And I, and I said, and they will learn the reality of shooting a film, which is like the first 15 minutes you're on set, you're like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And then three hours, you're like, oh my God, this is so monotonous. <laughs> this is so monotonous. Oh my God, can I leave yet? Seriously? <laughs> like you're going back to one? What, what was wrong with that? Why are we, why are we doing another take? Um, <laughs> So I, part, part of it is that it's like you learn really, really quickly that it's like this is a job. And, 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 it, and it is, you know, for all of the preconception that, that filmmaking or, or television or anything is this dilettante, fancy, you know, I'll be in my dresser, Mr. DeMille, kind of, <laughs> kind of BS. It's not. It, 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 it's insanely hard work. Um, they, the first job I had, um, not in film, first job I had. 15 years old, um, I had to take acetone and clean the caked hydraulic grease off of Lewiston, off the floor in Lewiston Hydraulics, which is down by where the alibi used to be. Uh, I don't know when they left or whatever, but, but um, so like you pour the acetone on, it's, you know, permeating your skin wrecking your dna like it's the worst thing in the world for you to be inhaling without a mask also by the way oh yeah um you know and you're 15 and you know and you've got your sneakers on so it's not safe in any way shape or form and then you've got the big scraper you know and as the stuff starts getting gooey you're scraping that and that's like that's 10 hours of that that there is not one moment on set that i don't think of that experience because <laughs> because i because the reminder is like that's just a little bit worse <laughs> and 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 this is just a little bit better so just keep that in mind well, this is a little bit better um well i know for example you um i, th I believe you know tori amos tori's a very good friend of mine yeah. right so that's that's something that would be you know exciting to be able to meet someone like that and work with them but but see tori tori and i met before she was you know before she was famous i was going to art school and and she was uh she was the person who had babysat the girl that I was kind of sort of not really involved with sure. at the time for like two months. And she and the girl said like, Oh, this friend of mine needs some help moving. Can you, can you help move? And I was like, I don't know about that. And she's like, she's like, well, she's a really good musician. You'll probably get along with her. And, and at the time she was, you know, she wasn't signed to a record label. She was playing piano at the holiday Inn at the airport. Um, that's how she was paying her bills. And, and, so I helped her move and, and we got along like a house of fire and we've been like really great friends since. And, um, and that's a whole different, that, that is, that is by far much weirder uh, because like, like seeing, seeing it go from like the person like, Oh, well, you know, let's, let's go walk around the corner and get ice cream to like, you can't walk anywhere without security. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird thing. Um, but like, you know, I've, I've, I've met rock stars. I've met, you know, uh, when I was working at Disney, Henry Winkler came out while I was on a cigarette break and, 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 and gave me this very kind lecture on that I should quit smoking. So, <laughs> oh no, so, um, an anti-smoking lecture from Harry Winkler. But, but it was, but, but it was, it was like, the, it was the nicest thing in the world because it was like, he was like, he's like, Hey, how you doing? And I was, I was like, I was like, oh, and he's like, he's like, you're a little stressed. And I was like, I was like, yes, yes, I am. And he's like, he's like, cigarettes aren't helping. 
They're not helping. It's <laughs> like, you got to take care of yourself. This is the, you got to be in it for the long haul. You got to take care of yourself. It's like, you have a good day. Walked off. Um, and oh. I was just like, and I'm like, Fonzie just told me that I should be quick. What the hell? Hey. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. But, but, and, and there, you know, there are very, very nice people in this industry. And there are people who I think are, you know, not so nice. And, and it's, you know, it's like any business. Um, of course. Oh, yeah. But it's, but it, but it's work. Um, and, you know, the, I, I, I feel very fortunate to, uh, there, there are moments where, like right now, my day job is working as an editor for a comic company that does uh, music-related graphic novels. So we just, uh, we just sent to the printer our uh, graphic novel for Ronnie James Dio's Holy Diver. Uh, That's album. badass. Um, and given that I loved that album in high school when it came out, and like I just, that that album was one of those sweet spot things. Um, that's a little surreal. Um, working with Joan Jett on the 40th anniversary of I Love Rock and Roll and Bad Reputation, which is what I'm doing now, is that's a little surreal. Um, and there, there are definitely moments where like 15-year-old me is like, dude, what is your life? <laughs> like, why, why, like this is how you're making money really you're making money working with 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 bands that we used to listen to while being a little stoner in high school really okay okay all right then they're paying you for this all the things that they told you in high school were going to be a waste of your time and oh, yeah. that would never get you anything these are the things you're making money off mm-hmm. and you get benefits yeah well, and speaking oh. of that, I don't know if you guys already chatted about this before I, I showed up uh, super late, but uh, did you did you sort of start your interest in film or entertainment as a as a career in your time in the Valley or did that happen afterwards? Um, I didn't. Th- so I didn't think it was possible, yeah. honestly, like my my uh, I loved film and I loved comic books. And seeing Star Wars in May of 1977 at the Liberty Theater completely changed my life. Like, I mean, and, and, and there's that's not an exaggeration. It completely rewired my brain. Like, so that I was, was like, sort of the nexus of everything. Like, that's yeah, where, it, where it started. It, well, it was, it, was like, it was like, how do I do this kind of thing? Like, I've got to do something like this. I don't know. How do you do? So, like, is that even possible? Like, there's people I went to that I went to elementary school with and high school with that on our 30th class reunion um, brought up the fact that for all of fourth grade, um, I was on a tear that we were going to make a Star Wars movie because I had, I had my parents' eight millimeter camera and I was going to make a, I was going to make a movie. I had no idea how you made a movie. I had a camera. I was going to, nothing ever happened because it's like, I, I'm in fourth grade and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. But um, yep, I did that. That and <laughs> that, that and comic absolutely. books were were the thing. Like I wanted to draw comic books, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to be involved in movies in some way. And I didn't know how. I didn't know what you do. And um, so this friend of my mom's, who uh, was a teacher at Grantham, my mom was a teacher at Grantham, and and another teacher there. Her brother 
uh, went to Clarkston and graduated and left and was a art director for Universal Studios. And he was back uh, visiting uh, for Christmas or something. And um, his sister asked if I would like to meet him. And I was like, oh, hell yes, I would. And so I go over and he's showing me his portfolio. And his portfolio includes the storyboards that he's drawn for John Carpenter's The Thing. And, oh. and, and my head is breaking because, because first of all, I'm like going, wait, so this is like comic books for movies. Like, I can do this. Um, and he gave me a script uh, that I don't know. I can't even tell you what script it was at the time. But um, explained to me what storyboards were and had me do four storyboards from, from a section of the script to see if I could handle it. Uh, and to give me feedback and he gave me great feedback and that was that. And I figured that, you know, he'd forget about me and, and, uh, I was grateful for the experience and all that. But then when we went down to LA, uh, for, to check out art schools, uh, we looked him up and, uh, and he said, Oh, you're down, you're down here for the summer. Um, you want to do storyboards for the movie I'm directing. And I was like, I absolutely am down with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that was the, I mean, those were the things of like the, the moments of realization of like, Oh, I can actually do this because the, 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 the conflict was that the people that I was around my, my peers and my teachers with, with a couple of notable exceptions, uh, were of the mindset of like, you can't do that. That's crazy. Um, my, my paternal grandmother, uh, as, as an example, on the way back from doing this storyboard job in Los Angeles, I'm coming back with a multi-thousand dollar check in 1982. This is like, this is huge money for, for a kid in high school, right? In 1982. And, and I'm like, I'm so excited to show her this because her concern my entire childhood has been about money and, and, and these flaky ideas I have about being an artist. And that's just not responsible and I need to be responsible. So, um, so I showed her this, uh, this check when we stopped because she lived in Reno. So we stopped in Reno on the way back to, to Lewis and Clarkson and I show her this and I'm all proud. And, and she's like, well, you know, why isn't that in the bank yet? <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and then she went on to say, well, it's, it's a nice hobby, but you know, you need to figure out like, Oh no. You know, you, you might be able to, you might be able to earn some vacation money mm. on this, but you need to have a real job. <laughs> yeah. You need a backup um, plan. I heard that right, a exactly, few times. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so the, the, the kind of pig headed nature I had was that by, by junior and senior year, I was full on, like, I am leaving here. I am going to art school. I am going to uh, meet amazing California girls who will think that I'm a rock star and fall in love with me. Um, and I will, you know, uh, work on amazing music videos and and be best friends with people like Johnny Depp. And it's, you know, it's going to be it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and it all worked out. And I and <laughs> you know I. Uh, I got to work on amazing music videos. Yeah. So, um, and you know, uh, everything else has, has, uh, 
has not necessarily gone according to plan, but it has gone the way it should go. That's great. So, um, you learn the lessons you learn, and, and there we go. So what is the title of the short movie being filmed later this year? So so the short film is called Die, um, which the entire theme of it is it's um, dealing with a moment that uh, in childhood where you learn about subtext. Um, and that there are meanings to things that people say um, that are different than what they what it means on the surface, um, and and how that is a uh, that completely does a kid's head in, um, and, and it's and it's one of those uh, to use a biblical reference. It's the, it's the moment where you eat the the fruit from the tree of knowledge. You know, at, at that point, the world fundamentally changes. You can't ever go back. To thinking something is just that way because it's cool. Um, so there's uh, this kid gets called in because he's he's fascinated with tattoos um, because his his father's friends with bikers and, and he sees their really horrible 1978 style you know anchor and eagle and machine gun kind of tattoos and and um, and so he's drawing tattoo designs like you do when you're a kid, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, stars and and jet fighters and battleships. And, you know, and, you know, from this very simple place of, you know, being a third grader and just like loving the imagery of it, the iconography of it. And um, his teacher sees uh, the scribbling on his on his spelling test and, and lets the principal know uh, that they have a potential problem on their hands. Uh, and so the kid's father gets pulled into this meeting with, with him and they look at it and the drawing is a single, uh, dice, uh, a die. Um, and there's lightning bolts on the side of it and there, and the word, you know, in really bad 3d little kid lettering, it says die above it. Um, because it's a die, it's a single dice. That's what you call a single dice is a die. Um, but the the concern of the 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 teacher and the principal and the um, and the father is that um, uh, he is actually giving a cry for help and he's saying that life is a gamble and then you die uh, and, and the kid's head is completely screwed with when this revelation comes out because it's like what <laughs> it's just a it's just a drawing so um, so yes it's 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 much more poetic than that. But that's the no. Yeah. That's great. That I'm that's, I'm excited. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm really Absolutely. excited. I'm I'm hoping uh, when you're in town. I know you're going to be extremely busy, but it'd be great to meet you in person. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, if it's uh, available, I mean, I'd hate to get in the way or anything, but it'd, it'd be cool to see what you do. Um, well, maybe for are... those first fifteen minutes, and then I can <laughs> I, I... leave. I think that the the plan is that we are going to have uh, one day is going to be press access day. So um, because the Tribune wants to do uh, some shoots and the uh, WSU magazine, even though I have not graduated, is, is going to come <laughs> down and take pictures because they're doing an article on me. Oh, doing wonderful. This, this craziness. So, um, so yes, I, I will be in touch. And uh, in theory... The, the, the COVID protocols we're doing is that everyone's going to basically be on um, pod lockdown from the, from the day before our first day of shooting. 
Um, so they will be in their, they will be tested. They will be in their, their location pod. They will be transported by someone who's been tested from the pod to set and then back. If they need food, if they need booze, if they need anything, um, it is delivered to them. They do not go out. So uh, the, the net result is that the last night after we shoot the last shot is that we're no longer under COVID protocol lockdown and that we will have a cast party and, and, um, and someone else will have to drive that night because I will not be driving. Uh, uh-huh. well, safety first. All right. Well, if you need a driver, let me know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have one, but that's all right. Great to meet you. Uh, thank you so yeah. much for your time. I know you're very busy, so we're happy to have you. Appreciate it, guys. You guys uh, have a good one. It was wonderful talking with both of you. Thanks. This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening.